Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. I want to read from Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans chapter 5 will be on the screen for you. And I want to bring out a few words to you. And then I'm going to preach. Therefore, some of you are like, why is the whiteboard here? All you type A's are not paying attention to anything right now, except like whiteboard. Why? I'll get there. I'll get here in a moment. Okay. <laughs> Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you're not justified by your offering. You're not justified by church attendance. You are justified by clocking in hours in prayer room. You are justified by faith and faith alone. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character or endurance or perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This morning, I want to jump into Romans 5 and give you a few thoughts of consideration this morning. But my title for our talk this morning is Don't Get Stuck. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every single person in the house this morning. God, would you speak to us? Would you reveal yourself to us, God, through your word? Through these amazing scriptures, Father, would you reveal, open our, open our mind, open our heart, open our ears. We give you the next few moments of our attention, our adoration, our focus this morning, God. Whether this is our first Sunday ever in a spiritual experience or we are raised in Sunday school and everybody in between, God. We give you our focus. Speak to us today. And Father, above all, would you let the Titans win the Super Bowl this year? In your mighty, mighty name I pray. There was no faith for that. I lost y'all when I said Titans are going to win. He's like, no. Bliss has negative hope for that. Um, negative hope. And she's on staff. Um, I love the staff here. They're amazing. Um, hope is an interesting word, isn't it? Hope. We use it a lot in our language. I hope for this and I hope for that and I'm hoping for this and you know, it's Christmas time right now. And, you know, my, one of my number one love languages, if you know the five love languages, is to give and receive gifts. Anybody else? My number one uh, 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 love language is touch. My number two is gift. My number three is touch me again. So it goes in that order. I don't care about time. I don't care about, uh, you know, words of affirmation. It's just you do those things and I'm great. Uh, my wife is not. It's don't touch me. Don't buy me anything. Spend quality time with me. It's the worst. Um, not that person. So my wife and I have been married for 12 years. We have three kids, nine, seven, and one. And, um, you know, so I love Christmas because it's time to give and receive gifts. We always go in the negative in our bank account because I'm buying everyone gifts. I'm like, oh, she needs this. He needs that. My like, doesn't even fit. It will one day, you know, like I just want to buy my kids everything. I want to receive things. But uh, we started doing this with my family where you pull names. Anybody else pull names who you're buying gifts for? It's, it, it gets rid of all the drama. You just have a name. This is the person I'm buying a gift for. And, but it's the worst when the person in the circle is the worst gift giver. 
and they get your name, you're like, well, there goes Christmas, you know, like, I'm going to get socks from Fred Meyer, you know, or Sam's Club, whatever. Um, it's the worst. But around this season, being holiday and Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's, kind of this little month and a half of holidays that we have, we hear this word hope all the time. Man, I hope this Christmas is better than last Christmas. I hope my spouse is picking up the 47 clues I've laid down for my gift this year. I, I hope my son comes home from college and actually wants to see us. I, I hope. I want to ask a question this morning. I'll ask you three questions this morning. My number, number one question, my first question is, what's the difference between hope and optimism? Because I think a lot of the times when we use this language of I'm hoping for, what we're really saying is I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic I'm going to get the raise. I'm optimistic I'm going to get the, the job. I'm optimistic our marriage is going to work out. I'm optimistic my, you know, test is going to come back negative. Fill in the way. We, we really need to exchange these words because in the English language, optimism is not the spiritual language of hope. Two different words. And my fear is we are putting all of our hope in optimism, not our hope in hope. Optimism is the ability to see light coming and say it. I, I, I'm optimistic I see the rays, I see the job, I see the marriage. I'm optimistic this is happening. Hope, on the other hand, is the ability to sit in utter darkness and say, you see light. Hope is the ability to sit in complete darkness and say, I see something. Optimism isn't a thing. Hope is in a person. And this morning, I'd like to dive into the theme of hope because my fear is a lot of Christians have misplaced hope. Misplaced hope. And I want to ask you my second question this morning, where's your hope? And we're all super spiritual. We want to yell Jesus. But for real, where's your hope? Where are you putting the weight of your hope? Because this is what I found out. When we put our hope on a spouse, even good things, a spouse, a job, a money, a friend, a church, and then the pastor falls in that church and your hope is crashed, I would submit to you, is your hope in the church or Jesus? Or in the job or the money or the spouse, fill in the blank. Why? Because oftentimes we want to scream Jesus is Christians, but once our hope falls out the bottom, we realize we had misplaced hope. And if you keep consistently misplacing your hope, you do this. You lower your expectations to be hurt less. And we say phrases to each other like this. Don't get your hopes up. I'm an optimistic person. We could have $3 in my bank account. I'm like, the Lord's going to come through. Julia's like, we're going to lose the home. We're going to lose the kids. We're going to lose the car. The church is going to be gone. And I'm like, like I, I bend toward optimism, but optimism isn't hope and Many times we put our hope in things and it falls out the bottom and we're tired of being hurt, so we keep hope to ourselves. And it sounds like this, I'm not trusting no one else ever again. I'll take care of me now. I'm not putting my hope in another girl, another boy, another job, another president, never, my hope is, keep my hope now. This is what I've learned about hope though. Hope is very heavy. I wanted to call, I was going to call today a sermon heavy hope, but hope is heavy. 
And I wonder for many of you in the room, the reason why you're exhausted is not because you work too much, it's because you're carrying a weight you don't belong to. Because hope is heavy. And the heaviest hope that you have is the hope for your soul. And a lot of marriages are convinced they're married to the wrong person because their spouse is expecting them to be Jesus to their soul. And it's not because you're in the wrong marriage, it's because you're shifting the wrong hope. We do this all the time, to good things even. But they're not God things, therefore they're evil things because if it's not God, it's not good. And we, we place our hope on these things. And inevitably, inevitably, that thing is not equipped to carry the weight of your hope. Inevitably, it's going to crack. Where's your hope this morning? You know what's really hard as a man, even, is to spend 10 years of your life, your weight, your energy, your money, and the thing that you were hoping for crashes. Man, I spent 10 years trying to get that office. I spent eight years trying to get that money. And then 08 happens and everything you put your hope into is revealed. Because mountains don't reveal your hope, valleys do. In the mountain, we scream Jesus, but in the valley, it's like, I need this check. I need this job. I need this person. And then you realize, I've been let down again. And you get tired of being tired. Where's your hope? Romans 5 says that we've been given the ability to rejoice in hope. And then he says five things. And this is where the whiteboard comes in. Okay. I'm at home, so I'm going to teach today. Slash preach. Thank you, Bliss. Here's the thing. Romans 5 says that we can rejoice in hope. In other words, every single one of us in this room this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a person of hope. My frustration as a pastor and as a Christian is I think too many Christians nullify biblical principles because it doesn't fit their personality. Well, I'm not optimistic like you. I'm real. I'm not like that. I don't get all hype for nothing. I need to hold it in my hand. I need to see it hit the bank account before I think I got paid. I don't trust until it's right here. I'm not that way. Oh, I didn't realize that hope was a personality trait. I didn't realize that was the Holy Spirit asking you, does this fit you? Does this like you? Is this how you were raised? Is this how your mama trained you? No, the, no this is a... Christian thing that we are people of hope. Why? Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you and that by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Would you say this morning that you're abounding in hope? It's a word skip. Frolic. Abound. Overflow. Are you abounding in hope this morning? Or are you abounding in reality? Are you abounding in what you see? 
Are you abounding in what the news says? Are you abounding in what TikTok says? Are you abounding in what your boss says? Or are you abounding in hope? Notice the first line. May the God of hope fill you. So in other words, if you're not a person of hope, you're not filled with God. You're filled with yourself. Because if it's your personality to not be hopeful, don't let yourself be filled with you. Let yourself be filled with the God of hope. Why are we hopeful? Because I'm I'm filled with God. And the God that I serve is the God of hope. And I'm filled with hope. Yeah, but do you see how dark it is? I'm filled with hope. Do you see the state of America? Oh, I'm filled with hope. Do Do you see the state of politics? Oh, I'm filled with hope. How are you filled with hope? Because I'm filled with the God of hope. Zechariah 9.12 says that we are prisoners of hope. It locks us in. I mean, I don't even want to hope, but prison, my imprisonment is of a hope. It's not my personality. It's not my circumstance. I don't even think that way. I wasn't raised this way. I'm a realist. I'm an optimist. I'm a pessimist. That doesn't matter. It's I am prisoned. I'm imprisoned by hope. 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready at all times to give an answer of the living hope in you. Be at all times be ready to what? Give an answer of the hope in you. That means you should be so filled of hope in a situation that doesn't deserve your hope. Your coworker could say, why do you think like this? How do you say things like this? How do you, what are you talking about? Do you see? No, I'm filled with hope. And let me give you a reason on why I'm living hope. Because I'm full and filled of the God of hope. We are people of hope. But this is what Romans 5 says. Hope gives way to suffering. Womp, womp, womp. As a reader, Romans 5 is like, hope gives way to favor. No, it gives way to suffering. Hope gives way to double portions. Gives way to suffering. Hope gives way. No. What? Hope? Hope gives way to suffering? Okay, I get it. I get it, Pastor. When I was younger, I was putting all my hope in the wrong places. That's why suffering was happening. I had misplaced hope. I was putting my spouse, my money, my government, my friends, my job, my bank account, my 401k, my, 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 my. Oh, I get it. Misplaced hope leads to suffering. That makes sense. But now that I have become more spiritually deep, uh, my, my depth is bigger. I put my hope in the right place now and my right hope won't lead to wrong suffering. And yet your hope, even in the right place, and the right person still leads to suffering. I'm not gonna talk about suffering too much today, but I have a dichotomy of anger when it comes to theological dispositions of Christians' idea of suffering. Because we either glorify it or we demonize it. We either glorify it, like we wear it like a badge. Whoever goes through the most, God loves the most. And we want to tell everybody what we're going through and what we're suffering because I'm doing it for the Lord. Why do we glorify something we should not live in? And if we don't glorify it, we demonize it. 
If your theology submits the idea that wherever sin is, suffering is, Jesus must have, must have sinned a lot. If your theology of suffering is that wherever sin is, suffering abounds, Paul must have sinned a lot. Well, you see what they're going through? I wonder what they're doing. You know, ever since they left the church, they... You know, ever since you stopped serving on the team, life is really... Oh, so you theologically have a disposition that wherever suffering is, sin must be there. What if the suffering was the result of obedience, not sin? We need a deeper biblical understanding of what the job of suffering is to a Christian. He says, hope gives way to suffering. What was, my title was Don't Get Stuck, because this is what happens. We hope. All right, pastor, I'm hoping this year. My hope is in Jesus. I might have a misplaced hope. I have hope. And then life happens. Right. I thought if I hoped, I'd be protected. I thought if I hoped, I would get. No, sir. Hope will give way to suffering. This is what happens to young Christians is we are so immature in our faith. Once suffering comes, we just go back to hope. And you'll spend 10 years getting stuck in between suffering and hope. We hope again. Life happens. Suffering, this isn't of God. We go right back to hope. Two years goes by, we're hoping again, and then life happens again, and we go back to suffering, and you spend 15 years of your spiritual growth being stuck between hope and suffering. Hope and suffering. And you're wondering why you're spiritually frustrated. Because you're stuck. And what does the Bible say? Suffering gives way to endurance. Or, my God! Or perseverance. Hope gives way to suffering. And if you don't quit in the suffering, suffering gives way to strength. My dad used to always say, whenever I walked in the room, son, put your shoulders back. Son, put your head up, put your shoulders back whenever you walk into a room. You know what suffering does? It gives Christians spines. Do you know what pain does? It gives Christians a backbone. That when you go through suffering and you don't quit in the middle of it, it will eventually give way to strength. It will eventually give way to perseverance. And then you realize I'm stronger than I thought. I can go through more than I thought. Our marriage is stronger than I thought. My faith is stronger than I thought. My belief is stronger than I, I thought that thing would kill me, but it made me stronger. Please do not have, do you guys have Ikea out here? Do you know Ikea? Good. Don't have Ikea faith. Easy to set up, but you can't move it. It'll fall apart. Ikea is so easy to set up and it's great. Till you got to move, you pick that whole thing up. It just, it just goes down. It's done. Many times that's our faith. It's strong until you try to move it. It's fine till you go through something. Don't have fine China faith. When you have hope, you will go through suffering. Not because you're bad, it's because the world is broken. If you don't quit in the suffering, 
it will give way to perseverance. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm getting somewhere. This is all intro. We're in the land somewhere. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are dead, those who are asleep, those who have passed away, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. Notice what it says. Brothers and sisters have hope. We don't go through anything. He says, oh, brothers and sisters have hope because we don't suffer like the world. We suffer in hope. We suffer in the middle of it, in our hope, that even in the middle of suffering, I'm still hoping. Because I don't suffer like the world. I don't have despair like the world. Even in the midst of suffering, I could still have hope. Because I don't have optimism, I have hope. And if you don't quit, it gives way to perseverance. Hebrews 10 says, do not lose the confession of your hope. Do you know the number one thing suffering is after? Your confession. I told you God wasn't going to show up. I knew this was going to happen again. I knew I shouldn't have believed. I knew it's always them. It's never me. I knew this. Suffering's trying to steal your confession. That's why Job said, I will not slay the Lord with my words. Listen to me. Your mind might wander. Keep your words steadfast. Your, your heart might shake, but keep your words steadfast. Your spirit might even be shaken, but keep your words steadfast. Don't let suffering steal the confession of your hope. And what happens next? Perseverance gives way to character. Have you ever spent some time with some old saints? And I don't mean like 30-year-old saints. I mean like 80-year-old saints. And you're like, they're the happiest. They're so cute. They're so friendly. And then you sit down with them and you realize what they've been through. And you're like, I had no idea you buried your first two kids. I didn't even know that. I, if I would have known that, I thought you'd be way more bitter at 80. But you're sweeter at 80. How could you go through what you went through and be who you are? Because they didn't get stuck. They let hope produce suffering. They let suffering produce endurance or perseverance. And then they let the perseverance produce character. I'm 35. I'm an upper age millennial. You know what frustrates me about millennials and Gen Z is they want the character without the suffering. We want to be who God wants us to be, but we don't want to go through what God wants us to go through. And the thing that you love the most about those people came from this. Do you know what made them that sweet? Pain. Do you know what made them that thankful? Loss. Do you know what made them that loving? Backstabbing. Do you know what made them that giving? Greed. The character that you love in them was not produced in the mountains, it was produced in the valley. Suffering gives way to endurance. Endurance gives way to character. Character. (sighs) 
so be careful what I want to say. I'll submit this to you as a considerational thought. Christians are, what is my calling? Who am I supposed to? We're obsessed with this stupid thing called calling. It's not in the Bible, by the way. The only calling is the calling the ministry. That's it. So get off the whole, what is my calling? The question be, who should I be? God does not care where you're going. He cares what you're becoming. Your calling is to become someone, not be someone. So get off the whole, what's my calling? To be like Jesus? And the only way we get here is through a valley we want to avoid. And then what happens next? Character gives way to hope. But this is the thing. This cycle is going to happen the rest of your life. I wish it was just one time. I made it through! You're going to go again. It's not like you graduate high school. I did it! Let's go to college. <laughs> but this is what's wild. Is every time you go through, you get stronger and stronger. Stronger and stronger. And when this comes about, the thing that is attacking you at 40 would have killed you at 19. But you didn't get stuck. Where are you stuck right now? I have hope. Life happens, and then I quit and just go. And you're confused why you're not becoming who you want to become because you're stuck. And character gives way to hope again. And my hope gets deeper, my strength gets stronger, my perseverance gets thicker, and then my hope gets deeper again. And before you know it, you just start going through. My last question. All I want to say is right here. Can your hope handle the gap? Have you noticed I spread them out a bit? There's gaps between here. They don't go from like Monday, suffering, Thursday, perseverance, Friday, character, Monday, I'm in. Like, this isn't Uber Eats. There's gaps between here. And sometimes the gaps is weeks. Sometimes the gap is decades. I came all the way here to ask you one simple question. Can your hope handle the gaps? You guys are all theological scholars. Did you know that the word hope in Hebrew is the word kava? Compound word. Most Hebrew words are compound words. The word kava, do you know what the word kava means? Do you know that when you pull a string really, really tight and the middle is like going like this, like it's getting ready to snap and you know it's going to snap soon, but it hasn't snapped yet? That's the word kava. Every time in the Old Testament the word hope is used, it's the word kava. Make sure you kava in God. Do you know what the term theological definition of hope in is to stay in the tension with expectation? From the prayer to the fulfillment 
I see it coming, I feel it, I know it, but it's not yet, it's not here yet. I see it, it's about to snap, and my kavah can handle the gap between prayer and fulfillment. And what is hope? What is hope? Why is it different than optimism? Hope is the ability to stay in tension with expectation. I know it's coming. I sense it, I feel it. But my hope isn't strong enough to hold the gap. Can your hope handle the gaps? Can your hope kavah? Can your hope be stretched with tension and yet still have expectation? Even if the kavahing is 10 years. Where's your hope? Jesus! Seriously? For real. Because I have found a lot of Christians put their hope in a government. Well, you know, once we get a different president, where's your hope, sir? Well, once we get a new governor, where's your hope? Well, once I get a different boss, once I get, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Your language is giving away your allegiance. We do not hope in a Democratic president, a Republican president, a new governor, a new mayor, a new boss, a new company, a new bank account. My hope is too heavy for a president. My hope is too heavy for a governor. My hope is too heavy for a marriage. My hope is too heavy for some money. My hope is too heavy for a, for a 401k. Oh no, there's only one individual that has the broad enough shoulders to hold my weight upon their life and they will not crumble. Where is your hope? And can it handle the gap? Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 9 is the famous, like, his name will be given to us, a wonderful counselor and mighty God and prince of peace, right? That's Isaiah 9. Let's read the first couple of verses first. Isaiah 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought into Kent the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. Remember those two areas, Zebulun and Nephtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Hear this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Go to Matthew 4, first scene of Jesus. Now when they heard that John had been arrested, John the Baptist, he, being Jesus, withdrew into? And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the? In the territory of? Zebulun and Nephtali. Sound familiar? Isaiah's prophesying. There's coming a day that all those that live in darkness, a light's coming. All those that live in deep darkness, a light will shine. In the area of Zebulun and Nephtali, a light is coming. Jesus shows up on the scene in Matthew 4. And where's the first city he goes to? Zebulun and Nephtali. And how were the shepherds shown where to go? By a light. It's almost as if Jesus is showing up saying, darkness is over. All those that live in darkness, the light has finally come. I will show up to Zebulun and Nephtali and I will be the light of the world. 
But you know what's frustrating? Isaiah 9 to Matthew 4 is 700 years. One day. When's one day? One day. Tomorrow? No. Are we there yet? We're almost there. Tomorrow? No, it's, it's coming. Can your hope handle the gap? Between prophecy and fulfillment. Between the altar and the divorce. Between the prayer room and the miscarriage. Between the prayer and the loss of a business. Can you? I, I know one day. And this is where the spiritual hope comes from. I know one day this will all be fixed. I know one day every tear will be wiped. I know one day he will come back and fix all this. But I have to wait in hope. I have to wait in the tension of knowing one day this will all be fixed. But the one day is not right now. And can I kavah? And unfortunately, many Christians don't have the spiritual depth to kavah. We're not optimistic people. We're not good luck people. We're not karma people. We're not you deserve people. We're people of hope. But my friends, don't get stuck. Keep going. Keep moving. Because the God of hope has filled us. I want to pray for you. Because God wants to remind you, don't misplace your hope. And Christians do it unknowingly a lot. St. Augustine says in his book, I named my son after Augustine, he's my favorite author. Whoa. Glory, Brian. And the piano said amen. Um, he says, there was coming a day where my bleeding soul, I tried to lay it on love. I tried to lay it on money. I tried to lay it. And he lists all these things. And he says, before I knew it, my bleeding soul fell back on me and I was crushed. At the end of his quote, he says this, where can my bleeding soul go? Then he answers his own question, none but you, Lord. Having hope for money's, okay. Having hope for the marriage, I get it. The deepest hope that you carry is the hope for your soul. And no one or no thing is strong enough to carry that weight. No one. 
Will you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray for you. If you're in the room this morning and you'd like to be honest, which unfortunately many Christians don't like to be. And you're, man, I, I've misplaced my hope. I know it. My hope is in a boss and a kid and money and 401k and a new governor, new president, new, new political system. I hope for America, fill in the blank. I, I've, I've shifted my hope wrongfully. I've misplaced my hope and I need to, I need to realign my hope today. Back to Jesus hope of the world. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up? Say, I, I know that's me. I know it. I've misplaced my hope. I feel it. I'm exhausted. I'm weary. I'm tired. I know it. I'm tired of being let down. So I've started keeping my own hope. It's crushing my soul. Father, I pray right now for every hand that is lifted every marriage, every business owner, every college student, every single person trying to navigate this crazy life. Father, I pray a weightless shift would happen right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for sleep tonight. I pray for those that are so restless they can't sleep. They're so restless they can't shut their eyes. Whew, I feel this. Father, I pray for deep rest. Father, I pray for sleep to come back. Father, I pray for rest to come back. I pray for anxiety to cease. Father, we shift our hope back to you. As 1 Peter 5, 7 says, we cast our cares on you because you care. We cast it back this morning. Father, we place our hope in you. We place our hope in you. For as Isaiah 9, 4 says, for the government will be on your shoulders. I pray for a shift this morning. I pray for a weight to be shifted this morning. Let us put our hope in the only one that can carry it. In your mighty, mighty name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.